Hello, hello, and welcome to the Burrito Kind of Guy podcast, episode number eight. This week, my guest is Jenny from the band Bad Cup, Bad Cup. And I remember the first time that I met Jenny was when Lost Love played a show in Germany with Bad Cup, Bad Cup. And I remember we were like, oh, that's cool. We're going to play with Bad Cup, Bad Cup. It's going to be great, a great show. And what went even better was that uh, they were all wonderful people and they were very kind to us, even though we were this uh, small Canadian band opening for their uh, amazing punk rock band in Germany. Whoa. So yeah, uh, in this podcast, we talk about lots of interesting things. Uh, if you know, if you don't know about Jenny, she uh, she writes uh, songs in Bad Cup, Bad Cup, but she also, she's um, an illustrator. She does illustrations, visual art. Uh, she even bake cakes with um, amazing art on top of that. So we talk about visual arts. We talk about um, the songwriting process, and we talk about creativity in this podcast. So yeah. What a smooth transition to talk about today's sponsor. Wow! And this week's sponsor is Rainy Day Renegade on Instagram. Check out her stuff. Uh, Rainy Day Renegade Shop on Instagram. She does rad things for rad people. She does dice, animal pins, earrings, patches, stickers. Uh, check out her stuff. It's very, very cool. It looks Uh, it looks indeed very rad so um go on her page give her a like give her a follow i don't know on instagram it's a follow i think and uh yeah buy her stuff it's cool she's got really rad pins and uh if you need dice i don't know if, if you need dice for anything like you don't need to start playing dungeons and dragons uh to own dice i mean there's pretty cool games that you can play with dice uh um and they're and they're pretty cool you don't even need to play dice you can just buy dice and then uh put them on on a shelf and they would look cool so your guests would be like oh look at those nice uh nice looking dice on on your um on your shelf anyway uh check check it out rainy day renegade on instagram and uh yeah Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It means a lot to me. Uh, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun actually um, recording these conversations with uh, these artists that I love. And uh, it, it's even more meaningful when I get comments from you uh, telling me that you're listening to this podcast and that it inspires you. So please don't hesitate to send me a message and tell me, hey, I'm listening to your podcast. It's cool. You're doing a good job. Or, or, maybe, or maybe you can tell me like, oh, hey, you should ask these questions uh, or, or, or those questions and or you should receive this guest or that guest. Uh, I'm open to suggestions. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. This is a pretty long intro. I'm sorry about that. Uh, let's go directly to the podcast. Have fun. Be nice and try to do something kind today to someone you love or someone you don't love because if you're kind to some people that you don't love then maybe they're gonna be kind to other people they don't love and maybe we're gonna achieve world peace peace most of the time i talk with people who only do music but you do yeah. visual art as well so i i'm looking forward to because uh, I, I have a few questions for you about that uh let's talk let's talk with you where were you born and and when were you born oh my gosh my origins are pretty vanilla and not interesting um <laughs> i was born in iowa my parents lived there for a hot second iowa. Um, yeah for work <laughs> my dad's very like i'm very practical so he was always like moving around for work and 
they were there for just like a just a like a year or two and like managed to have like both me and my brother born there (laughs) which like (laughs) is really random but uh yeah and then I grew up in mostly in Michigan like a few different cities in Michigan but also in North Carolina which I remember being like very beautiful and um yeah it's hard for me to hear terrible things about North Carolina now (laughs) 30 years later because it was like gosh I remember being so wonderful but um obviously politics and yeah usually people don't talk about the the landscapes in North Carolina they're they're talking about people I think yeah so yeah or they just talk about like the politics but like actually living there for me and my family was like wonderful but um I think a lot has changed unfortunately like I like loved I loved my elementary school and like I still think about it sometimes when like throughout my education just being like it's hard not to compare and be like gosh they really had it all together and then um actually last year my parents were like we're driving through let's just go by the school and the school's like a fire station now so like even the greatest school of my lifetime is like nothing now so wow yeah things change but (laughs) So, so it was uh it was great growing up there yeah it was wonderful beautiful people were very friendly um and uh just a lot of like nature and stuff like that um and then when I when I graduated high school I just kind of blindly was like I want to move to California and like had a friend that lived out here and I just kind of went to live with her and have been here ever since like just constantly learning about what a strange place it is <laughs> but yeah. yeah wow and have you had you been before to California or was it just like a dream and then when you finished high school you were like let's go yeah kind of both I had been but only for like a minute and to, to places that I didn't end up moving to like I had been to San Francisco and San Diego and then like this one person that I knew and actually lived in Orange County and I was like okay whatever like (laughs) I went there and I'm still there which is kind of amazing sometimes I get embarrassed about that because it's like if you don't really love it like why are you here but it's like I'm I've lived here longer than I've ever lived anywhere in my life strangely um so and there is a lot going on for me and like I just have a great situation kind of hard sometimes I'll be like I want to move but where would I go and would anyone buy cake from me if I moved there you know so (laughs) well when did you start playing music um I started playing guitar when I was like 14 13 or 14 um and then but I didn't really play like with people until I was um I think I was like 19 um and well, that cause, was yeah because yeah. what were you doing in your teenage years when you were playing guitars do you know what why did you want to start playing guitar oh my gosh well I was grounded a lot <laughs> um and I had like a lot of feelings <laughs> um and I have always been like an extremely uh intense person with like a lot to say and a lot of opinions and like whether or not they were like informed um it's always helpful to have like a creative outlet 
Um, so I think that was like my family really doing a great thing and being like, let's just see if this helps, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was like, it really did. Um, so that, that was, um, brilliant on their part. <laughs> yeah. Did you get, uh, did you get guitar lessons back then or was it just like, uh, a... I had a few, um, and it was like, I did when I first started I had a friend named Sarah Wilson who was the only person I knew who could play the guitar um I was living in one of these places where it was kind of like a creative desert like you know it wasn't I, I say that compared to like people that I know that grew up where I'm living now and they're just like oh yeah I had a band when I was 12 and it's like mm -hmm what like <laughs> or you went to an art school like what you know I was they were just kind of like it, it just wasn't a priority where I was living but um yeah Sarah really helped me and just kind of like put some training wheels on the situation for me and was like this is your guitar these are frets this is a power chord like this is how you tune it which I was like oh tuning you know <laughs> like just didn't know anything um People, yeah. yeah when they give you a guitar when you're young they don't usually tell you like you have to tune that that thing like you, you oh my <laughs> no my and my parents like it they don't know like they didn't have that opportunity when they were they you know it's interesting mm -hmm. especially compared to like stacy in my band was like raised by a professional musician and like was surrounded by music and musicians like all the time to the point where for many years she was like I didn't I wasn't interested in it because it's like you just kind of take things for granted you know yep. um but this was like you know I didn't have like the human resources but I did have like the physical resources and like the emotional like support like we want you to do this <laughs> you know so yeah yeah uh what kind of music were you listening uh, back then like when you were oh 14 gosh. and you were starting to play guitar well okay i don't know we might not be the same age how old are you i'm 29. <gasps> you're yeah. a wee baby i know i know <laughs> okay sorry i get that uh, a lot <laughs> good for you i'm 38 so when i was learning this there was no internet um and there was like you know if you wanted to hear music you had to like buy an album which like kids don't have money mm -hmm. so I was kind of left with like what was on the radio which like where I grew up was like a lot of Motown you know the oldie station is incredible um but and then like popular alternative rock radio was like there was like stuff from Seattle you know what I mean like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and um whole I really liked whole because I, I was like oh that's a woman you know I'm a woman um I I did get a couple issues of spin magazine and that was like I was just so thirsty like I read everything and looked at all the pictures and anytime there was like a woman in a rock and roll band I was like what band is this you know like um so I was like learning about like PJ Harvey and stuff like that I'm not so into that music now but that was like my kind of initial framework and then have you ever seen the movie tank girl no okay it's, tank it's girl like, I, i'm gonna write it down it's great so tank girl was originally a comic made by the artist who designed the gorillas 
you know so and like jamie hewlett i think um so it's like this really wild style super original like visually and she's a punk it's like a post-apocalyptic punk hero anarchist woman um so it's funny and cool and then they made a movie in the 90s (laughs) and uh the soundtrack was like it still slaps it's like it has like l7 and face to face and like um joan jett and like paul westerberg from the replacements and like devo and um just so i I got my hands on that soundtrack by way of my brother who's a couple years older than me so he like was making money and spending it on albums (laughs) um but i was yeah yeah that was like that was a gift because it was like a blockbuster movie uh critically a flop but like still (laughs) it was like in theaters and like i just was like wow that person is so cool um and really that that helped me kind of connect more with like it music closer to what i felt um and then one of the bands that i did i read about and then i got to hear and they had like one song on the radio and i became very very interested in is l7 um which is all women and they don't give a fuck and like they're still just heroes of mine um have you have you ever played shows with them we played one show (laughs) it was uh a punk and drublick in italy and like i was just like beside myself and like um a little bit extra is that myra the drummer of my band is like she's seven or eight years older than me and grew up in Los Angeles. And like, she always had a band and like spends tons of money on music and concert tickets. So like getting to become friends with Myra and just finding out that like, she like played with all these bands that I was like reading about or like saw every band I ever cared about or like, you know, I saw them at this backyard party and it's like, you're so cool. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't believe we're in a band together, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so we, we were excited. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned listening and, like, uh, seeing bands with, with women in them and, and thinking, oh, oh, shit, that's badass. Like, I, I could do this, which is uh, with Pudza Fest, that's something we try to do. We try to, well, we have a thing where we want to try to book as many, let's say, diverse bands as possible yeah. and include as many women as possible because there's not enough women in well, there's enough, well, no, there's not enough women in punk rock and definitely not enough women playing in bands in festivals in general. And one of the reasons we're doing this is we have an outdoor site, which you played with Bad Cup, Bad Cup, I think a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, and it's all ages. So there's a lot of parents bringing their kids, kids ranging from like four years old to like 12 years old sometimes. Uh, and, and, and what's amazing is like, we've heard tons and tons of comments of like, young girls telling their parents oh like yeah so rock music is not and like punk music is not only a bunch of white dudes playing music it's it could be it could be me and and that's yeah and and that's something i never thought of as like as as a kid i grew up and i was watching i don't know blink one dd2 on tv and i was like i could do this but i never thought about (laughs) well puza i have to say um in my experience and, and a lot of people I've talked to agree, not only is it a 
it's an amazing festival for so many reasons, but your intentional booking and billing is like, it's so important and so awesome. And you're doing such a good job. Like, I think it's very cool that you, um, book new bands, emerging bands, Mm -hmm. like give people a chance to like kind of come up against it compared to like, for example, punk rock bowling, which is like, (laughs) this is what was happening 20 years ago. And and we don't see a reason to change a damn thing about this. It's it's a a nostalgia. Right. Which is like, okay, but you have a choice here to like look forward and understand the impact of like what you're doing with your Mm -hmm. project and your resources and like I personally feel frustrated when people don't take Mm -hmm. advantage of that or refuse to acknowledge it or like just leave it status quo especially in like a punk setting which is like wow conservative punks this is like (laughs) totally useless (laughs) yeah that's a um, yeah. yeah Oh yeah, and I think that uh, there was a festival in not too far from Montreal before that was called uh, Amnesia Rock Fest. I think that's what it was called. It was. I, have you played there? No. Okay, so it was like huge. There was like all the bands that played there, all the big big bands, and it was basically a big no- nostalgia fest. And um, yeah, the thing is, these festivals probably well, no, they sell way more tickets than we do, but we don't really care about selling tickets at this point. We're yeah. like, huh. It doesn't it doesn't feel uh like it's part of our it's not one of our goals like to wow and yeah so, i've never heard anybody ever say anything besides express like deep gratitude and love for Puzza festival like that is yeah you it's a gift to <laughs> yeah. the entire i have but uh, i mean <laughs> what I have heard uh, l- uh, some negative comments, but I mean, there was there will always be some haters, so I, I don't really care. Yeah, about free so. ice cream, boo! You know, it's like <laughs> okay, all right. Well, then don't eat it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so, uh, did you have any other bands before Bad Cup? Bad Cup. I did. I guess the only ones that would be accessible or worth mentioning are. Um, I was in this band called Introspect that's on um, AF Records. Um, And that was really important to me at the time for a few reasons. Like I didn't, I didn't know hardly anybody out here. That was the band when I was like 19. Um, And so I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any connection or friendship or like really any like root system here um and I they that band definitely so there's one main writer this guy Dave Small who I loved pieces and then at the time there was these like kind of core members that have changed they kind of rotate a lot I think this is pretty common when there's like a main writer Mm -hmm. in any band but um right now uh they have a um Dave has stepped back and is like, I don't even want to be the front person anymore, which I think is so interesting when you're like, you're the mastermind. Like he's very, 
He's a wonderful person. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I was in that band. I was actually playing keyboard <laughs> oh. um, because they just asked, do you play the keyboard? And I was like, I can, I'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. I'm and have, you, have you ever learned how to play keyboard or were you just like, I can play guitar so I can play keyboard? Uh, no, I mean, I, pl- I played the piano as a child, okay. which I think is like a great first instrument for anybody because it's like, uh there are a lot of pianos around not necessarily in people's homes but like also just like the visual interface of musical notes is like part of it whereas like if you're playing like a saxophone you have to memorize this weird arbitrary combination of movements same thing with a guitar but like a Mm -hmm. piano is like ah okay these notes sound they're in between like this frequency and like you know it's just kind of um it's almost like an alphabet um yeah yeah, definitely and then uh and then the way I met the girls in bad cop is I was playing in this band called cunts bar which was like a cox bar cover band uh that's awesome yeah it was like I this was my best friend and it was an accidental band, but it really was a wild experiment because um, uh, she is, her name's Sarah Lyons and she's like a famous illustrator now, which is like so cool. And at the time she was like an early adopter of internet culture. She like was like very active on things like live journal and things like that. So she like set up a YouTube channel after I found this like toy organ at a swap meet and I was like come over you will not believe what I just found you know what I mean and then she just like set up her computer and videotaped us playing because you're young it was like the first song we tried to play and then put it up on YouTube under cunts bar and then like a couple days later she was like the internet is shitting itself right now about this <laughs> like uh, a lot of people are mad but a lot of people really like it and um and then this guy named Lou Medrano who at the time was doing a lot of booking and promoting in LA had reached out and was like do you want to go on tour with I think it was the U.S. Bombs or else it was like some other Dwayne Peters band and we were like we're not a band. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And he was like, are you sure you're not a band? And we were like, no, we're not a band. We just put a video on YouTube. And then we like thought about it and we were like, we could put together a set. Like, so, um, so we did in order to take a free vacation. Um, And then, and then we were a band and we were like pretty busy because it was like, it was very ridiculous. It was like an acoustic guitar and like a suitcase and like a, this toy organ and like sometimes like a toy xylophone, just like weird toys. And, um, and Sarah's so funny. Like it was kind of like a comedy show. Like, so we would open big shows with like old guy bands because it was like, this is a really great, like they're affordable and it's clearly we go first and like people come see it because it was like a sensation at the time um and then but then also it's very versatile what year what year was that 2000 like 9 and 10 and 11 like we we did then but then we started getting booked with like acoustic we did like a tour with kevin seconds and like sean and xander and um uh so it was great and then also because wait was it under 
Was it under what? the name Conspar? Conspar, yeah. Yeah, okay. Wow, okay. <laughs> so uh it was like we we just we got able to we it was like we had all these cards that was like, oh, we could play this one, we could we played punk rock bowling, like um, and we did like we also kept getting booked with like uh women and queer bands and like comedy bands and like weird cover bands and acoustic stuff and then you know old guy bands and it was just like <laughs> for the shit that people talked it was very bookable and very enjoyable and awesome. uh, yeah and then actually that's how I met the girls in bad cop was we were it was one of those times where it was like oh this band with um it was Stacy and Jen the original uh the mother of bad cop she was the original bass player they would sometimes play acoustic um and we got booked at this great show with them and just were like wow who are you you're so cool <laughs> you know um and then jen invited me to come to the second bad cop practice and that's it so cool wow uh i see in your cv that you did a bfa in illustration and then you did an mfa uh What's the F stand? What does the F stands for in that? Because I'm not sure. Art. No. Um. Fine art. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, fine. All right. Yeah. Master fart. of fart art. Master that would that, that would be cool. Yeah. And I see that you taught. Uh, you did some teaching between 2018 and 2011. How was your teaching experience? Uh. Well, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Um. Because I believe in education, although less so now, I think I was not as aware of like all the barriers that are involved in at least the US keeping that an elite institution. Um, I still believe in like just general education, like giving people resources and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I thought I wanted to teach art and I thought I wanted to teach it to people that already kind of like knew how to access that yeah. and therefore it was, was in like, oh. a college right it was not a... yeah okay, yeah cool. but, but now I feel like in hindsight it's kind of like I would rather help people that have never accessed that like mm -hmm. connect to it um in part because there is no like filter of like elitism or like self-consciousness or right and wrong um like for example, Stacy started painting about a year ago and like, she was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm having so much fun. And she's sending me these images. And I was like, this is so exciting. <laughs> you know, like you're just like very freely experimenting and like, you know, expressing yourself and learning things. And I feel like once the deeper you get into an education, the more you're like, oh, I can't do that because I learned Yeah, that there are is, rules. Right. Which like, yep. and there are totally rules when you're teaching art at a college level, which like people were upset about. And I, it's like, I do and I don't agree with it. You know what I mean? It's like, you should, there are like principles, but like, I don't know that there are necessarily rules, but. Yeah. I, I don't know how I would, because uh, I'm currently teaching at the college level. I'm teaching English as a second language in, in uh here in Quebec, because everybody's a francophone, like everybody speaks French as a first language here. Yeah. So uh, people have like in when they're in college, they need to take a few English classes. And that's what yeah. I teach. But in, like teaching a language is like, 
is much different than teaching art. I feel like it's you can you just have conversations with people and you you see them evolve in the language and you can basically assess them on if they like yeah if they get better or not. But with yeah. <laughs> with art with art, I feel like it's well I don't know. It feels like it's uh it, it's not science. It, it's art. It's it's from you're doing something from your heart and it's yeah. creation and it can be interpreted in so many ways that I, I don't know how I would teach yeah. something like that. It, it, well, especially with like illustration specifically, which I was teaching, I was teaching like drawing and illustration and both of those things do have like, you do have rules. Like with drawing, just at an introductory level, it's like you're trying to communicate what you're seeing or thinking visually and then with illustration you know that is art where you're working for someone else and there are like it is it printable is it legible is it what the client wants like how you know I mean? there's and there's always going to be like weird barriers and rules to any project versus like you know a conceptual sculpture class <laughs> like which is like <laughs> what do you want to do um yeah so so anyway I just I and I also like Full disclosure, I, I struggle with being organized <laughs> and uh, being on time. And these things are very frustrating mm -hmm. to students. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've seen that you worked uh, for uh, Parks and Recs. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm really wondering, because when I saw that, I, I, like, I didn't, I could not see, I, I could not search what exactly you did I, I see that you did mural you're a mural designer for parks and recs and uh i during the pandemic i started watching parks and recs i have never i had never seen it before so when i read that i was like no way and i was wondering what exactly did you do did you because when i first saw it i was like did she do the painting did she do like the one painting with <laughs> yeah yeah um well so this is a truly illustration job it was like just the drawings of the murals and then someone else painted it which is like that's a very like industry thing to like break things down into smaller pieces but like the reason it is on my cv is because i love that show And it's got like, you know what I mean? Like I can tell people I did this and they've heard of it. Whereas like yep. if I've all these other things where it's like, you definitely didn't hear of it and you have no idea what I'm talking about. But like, it's just kind of like. So which which mural did you do? Did you do the ones that like, you know, like every other episodes they look, they're in the, um, I don't know how to call it. They're in the place and they're like, so here's the picture of the native people. And uh, is that the, is yeah. that it? I did, there was uh, in the courtroom there's like a big one that's like it's like a montage of like kind of like a Thomas Hart Benton style um it's like this this history of Pawnee or spirit of Pawnee yeah okay um, <laughs> and then also there's one of like a fat lady victory with her head up on this head of like a severed head of a buffalo or something yeah um yeah so that's so cool <laughs> um I've, I've asked people Like, as I, I told people on Instagram that I was going to have you on the podcast and I asked people to like, if they had any questions for you and, and one question came and I was like, oh, what's the worst dive bar in Long Beach? And I was like, is it, <laughs> do, you know, <laughs> do you know this person? Because <laughs> I was like, that's a very specific question. Uh, I, I don't know who asked this, but I will tell you, in my opinion, it's Ferns. Um, 
we, <laughs> I understand they're under new ownership, so no shade, but at the time, uh, we did like when we put out our first record, which was all DIY. And you know, it takes a lot to pull something off when you're doing 100% of it yourself. And um, so we get this record pushed out and like we're having this show and like we get there and like the bartenders were just treating us like they fucking hated us and they wouldn't turn the lights on over where the stage was supposed to be, which is like, you're telling me there's no light switch for these lights. Like, so we're like playing in the dark and like the PA was like, we had to set it up. And then also like, it was just a terrible, terrible time. Um, it was like, we, we brought everyone that's here and you're still being so fucking shitty. Like, um, so that's my memory of, uh, ferns. <laughs> also, I've seen twice driving by people getting punched in the face out front, which I'm like, that place is just built on some <laughs> bad shit. Like, Cheers. all yeah. right. Yeah. Good luck to you, ferns. Remember the first song that you have written? Oh my gosh. Not was really. It, I remember. Was, was like, it when you were a teenager? Like, were you yeah, writing songs back totally. then? It was like more of like just that kind of like click of recognition when you like put C, D, and G together and you're like, oh, that could be a song. And it's like, it is. It's 900 Bob Dylan songs, you know? Um, but I don't think my child brain had like the ability to put anything meaningful together yep. with it um I do remember like performing things like for friends and like knowing that I had songs but like I just am sure they were garbage you know yeah. I don't think I wrote anything decent until I was like into my 20s and even then I'm sure it was pretty questionable mm -hmm. um I mean I didn't join bad cop until I was like 27 you know yeah yeah um what speaking of bad cup what what is your songwriting process with uh bad cup because if i understand correctly uh like you write songs like everybody basically writes songs and then you come up with the band and then you build the song how how does it work well we originally when it first came together uh it would be like you know somebody would come with like a baby song to band practice and like teach it to everybody and then you know we would help write harmonies or parts um and that's how most of not sorry came out um it's also how the self-titled and boss lady were you know what i mean except uh they both had a little bit of input from um davy warsop is a good friend of mine he's in a band called sharp shock um and he it, he recorded and produced and engineered um both of those and um very respectfully was like could i make some suggestions and i was like yeah you're the professional here and really helped kind of shape us into a better band than what we came with um and and this was for the first out from the first album you worked with him this was yeah we did uh so i was working at hurley the surf company um, and he was working at Hurley as like the engineer, the recording engineer. And um, they had this amazing studio and he, you know, he would record drums for fucking Guns N' Roses and like no effects stuff and 
Dave House. And then like also they would like for free record local bands because of like a similar Pusa ethic where it was like, let's do something to support this culture and community. And so, you know, one week he was like, could you guys come in next week? What's your band sound like? And I was like, yes, like, (laughs) (laughs) holy shit, you know? So we came, we gave him some demos and he was like, I have some thoughts about this and kind of helped put us into a more um, like pop structure and Mm -hmm. shine it up quite a bit. Um, We were, you know, half of us were very into like, yeah, it just ends or like, no, there's no chorus. You know what I mean? And like, Um, I remember it was the same thing with my band Lost Love, uh, the first album, the first album, we did not have anyone to tell us what to do with it. So it was just like, it's going to be a riff one, then riff two, riff three, riff four, and then the song is over. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There are no rules. Yeah. We were there. And then he, you know what I mean? He, as as like, you know, his professional opinion and, and, and definitely made for a better, Mm -hmm. better record. So we did those two with him. And then, um, and then we did, we did not sorry kind of similarly where we came with parts and then Mike, that Mike kind of, wanted to look at things before we worked on stuff. And so he also produced that and worked more heavily on a few songs on that record. And then- Was it was it starting with, uh, he started to work with you uh, from album number two, like uh, Warriors? Is that it? No, he, he started on Not Sorry, but it was like okay. more of a backseat. And then Warriors, he was very involved. Okay. Um, that was like, that's where we got into like writing a couple songs in the studio, which like that had never happened before. And then, um, and then the ride, the one we just put out was like, that was, that was a ride. Oh my God. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I've, I've read, I've read somewhere that, uh, when you first came up with all the songs, uh, you showed them to Mike and then he said, uh, start over. It's not, it's not great. Yeah. Uh, uh, is that true? Like how many songs did you have at that moment? Like, did you have like 12, 15 songs and he was like, nah, scratch it off no we well so we just wanted to get the ball rolling because it was like we need to write a record you know what I mean but it was like we had always just kind of showed Mike demos before or like even farther along typically we would get them to him and he would be like you know okay with some of it but then he wanted to change so many things and was so involved with Warriors that we were like let's get him involved earlier um, so we just, we demoed some stuff. It was like six songs with Davey and, and we brought like 10 to Davey and he was like, I'm not recording <laughs> those four. They're not good. So then we did the six and then we sent those to Mike and he was like, this are shit. And we were like, no, they're not. <laughs> how does so, your ego feel about that? Oh, when so, so soft. So bruised. Yeah. Um, egos and production are tough. <laughs> but yeah so we but you know and then we spent like the next year and a half or whatever like working and reworking and you know just digging in and and came out with something really wild that we're super proud of you know what I mean it's a shame that we didn't get to tour on that record and that you know everybody's like what else you got you know yeah (laughs) it's it's crazy because I for some reason, like when the album came out, it was right in the pandemic, right? It was like a few weeks before it started. Oh no, it was in June. It's June nineteenth. Oh, it was in June. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. But for some reason, I had not listened to the whole album before like this morning. And when I listened to it, I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Like, because I've listened to like the two other Bad Cup yeah. albums. And I was like, I totally noticed that there was a difference in yeah. the sound and how it evolved. So, yeah. I yeah. Mean, I guess. Record. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were like, we want to play Saturday Night Live. You know what I mean? And it was like, no one fucking cares about your band. <laughs> Go home for a year, you know? So. Yeah, wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you find a specific moment for songwriting? Like, personally, when, when you write songs, do you, like, for example, do you tell yourself, all right, on, on Friday morning, I'm, I'm going to focus on writing songs? Or, or is it something that comes um, and you're just like, oh, shit, I have this idea, and then I need to sit down and, and write? A little bit of both. Um, with this, with this, when after Warriors, after touring for Warriors, and then being like knowing that we have to work on new stuff, um, it definitely became more of like a practice for me where I would like, I was like, you have to touch your guitar every day and you have to like try things and like visit the things that you started already and like um you know just yeah. making that contact something else inevitably comes up I don't know about you but my brain when I have to focus on something will be like no but what about this you know like then it gives itself new ideas which is like just being able to catch all of that yeah. and then, um yeah would so you, that was yeah. kind of I, I did definitely put that into like a daily practice for that record but then over the past year it was so I was so burned out on producing those songs and uh I'm a very sensitive person and I think I was a little bit not a little bit but I definitely was like feeling weird and low about this and music in general you know, what in that time of extreme uncertainty. So like yeah. my guitar became a stranger again. And then I just recently started being like, you should probably get to know this guy again. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, yeah. Is, is there a major difference between um, visual art and music, like in the creative process of like starting from nothing and creating something? Not, no, no. I think they're more similar than they are different even in the way that like, like going back to what we were talking about earlier, when like, when you have the education, it kind of blocks certain things. I feel like all the production that we do musically makes it harder for me to write music because I like have to kind of like shake that loose, you know what I mean? And like, get back to like, well, what do you feel? What are you trying to communicate? Mm -hmm. What is happening organically? And then worrying about production later. So um, also with production of music, for, for my experience, at least, it's like a lot of external male input, which like I don't get a lot of that with artwork. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm the biggest entity in my world of creation with art because it's just me here usually I'm doing whatever I want or I'm working for somebody who is like I want you to do what you want um whereas like with music it's very like I feel smaller do you yeah. know what I'm saying and like also uh -huh. I feel less confident um 
just okay. I think because of the production, which is weird because it's like I know that intense production from experts is a gift, and like I'm not, I'm I'm grateful for that. But it's funny what it does mm-hmm. on the back end. <laughs> the, the end product, like the end product, is uh, with Bad Cup, Bad Cup. It's like it's a like it's a team effort. Whereas I guess when you do like a visual art, it's you and sometimes I guess you you do some collaboration with other artists, but it's like it's small on a smaller scale, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There's no one, there's no one coming into an art project and being like, I don't know, it's not very punk. You know what I mean? Like, or could we make this faster? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> whereas like, I don't know, but that's also kind of where I'm living with my artwork right now. There was definitely, I mean, for years between after college, I was just like, the work I was getting was like, well, you're young, which means we don't have to pay you a lot. And they, and also it was like, we don't know who you are. So we're just going to like try to make you be a cheaper version of this thing, which is like, you should just save your money and hire that artist. Like I can do something similar, but like ethically it's weird. And also like, that's just a weird, you know? Yeah. Which makes me um, wonder, like with, with music, like you can, uh, you can listen to like a lot of music and think like, oh, I want to sound like, I don't know. I want to sound like against me. And uh, I don't know, Millen Colin and face to face. And then you're like, try to write songs that resemble this, but with visual art, I feel like it's, uh, and and maybe it's because I I don't know a lot of uh, visual artists or the few I know are tattoo artists. Mm -hmm. I feel like once you get your style, you kind of you kind of stay in this style and you're evolving but in the same style do you would you think it's it, it's different in that way that like for example if i wanted with like a musical project we would say like oh i'm gonna write a ska song or a folk song or a punk song like it would be something totally different whereas in visual art you kind of tend to focus to to have your own style and you craft your own style because when i looked at your visual art i was like oh shit it's like it's very unique and it's something that's from you and I maybe it's because I don't know enough visual artists but I when I looked at your work I was like oh that's more that's more unique than any like punk band that are around these days well it's interesting that you say that because I think there is actually a lot of like mimicry in in the art world, I can say that about, I, I guess the world I know the most about would be illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, so there is, and, and even when I was a younger artist, like, you know, it's just like anything else where you're like, oh, I want it to be good. And, and then you, your brain sneakily is like, and what's good is this thing that someone else made. Oh, okay. um, and that kind of like, for example, when I was in school, there was like a lot of like thin layers of transparent color on a wooden background with like delicate lines and like a lot of like naked emaciated women. That was like a thing that everybody was doing visually. And it was like, I don't need to see this again. Just like there's already against me. We don't need to hear Mm -hmm. 900 different versions of against me. Not that, I mean, anyway, what happens is like, whether intentionally or subconsciously, I think any creative person who sees and consumes other creative work tends to like kind of 
model that until they get to a point of, and this is only if they have something original to say inside of their heart. You know, there's, there's, I'm getting onto a weird tangent here, but like, I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> like there are artists who do whatever they want, like, yep. like Stuart Semple or like, um, oh my gosh. I'm drawing a blank. I don't want to say it might be Mike Kelly um, or like, you, you know what I mean? Like people that don't, they're not stuck with like, this is the colors that I use. Yep. This is the medium I use. I usually paint a woman in the woods in, you know what I mean? And, or there are people who are like, that's a very, they have a narrow lane and they do, you know, Irish mm -hmm. folk punk. And it's like, you know what I mean? They do it well yep. or not. And like, but for for me personally, like I have a real hard time doing that something I've already done or that someone else has already done. Yep. There's a, I'm currently reading a book, uh, which is called, um, I can't remember the name, but like it, it's a, I think it's called the creative Pro process. And uh, the, the author mentions that like um, the, one of the problem with creativity is that some people are inspired by like, when there's a problem, usually they're inspired. Well, in music, they're inspired by like a, a couple of bands when they should be inspired by like hundreds or thousands of bands. Yes. And then then that would make a unique sound. Yes. And um, yeah, I, I've, I'm just reading this right now. And I thought it was very interesting. I think that, yeah, it's like inspiration for the best possible out, outcome. Inspiration should be drawn from other other worlds you know what I mean other mm -hmm. fields other you know what I mean like when I'm you can kind of tell when you listen to someone's record where it's like all right I know what you were going for it's these five bands and unfortunately they're all performing now which like yeah. why do I need to listen to your band why are mm -hmm. you doing this you know but then on the other hand, I also am like, I do respect any creative output that people have, whether or not it's original, whether or not it's informed, you know, it's like, that's valid. You made that and I'm proud of you. Um, but for me, um, when we were working on the ride, I wasn't like, what are my favorite punk rock bands? Yeah. <laughs> what are my favorite bands that put out records on fat, on fat records? You know what I mean? It was like, I am not going to listen to that because this is, why do I need to do that? I want to listen to, I was, I've, I talk about this band all the time, but Fleetwood Mac yep. <laughs> has nothing to do with punk rock, but the weird idiosyncrasies in their vocal layering. I can see, I can see the influence. I can see you know? it with Cup. for some reason. Now that you mention it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I see it. Yeah. But that's just like a great example to me of like, you know, that band informed more of what, came out of us in the last 10 years than like, you know, Against Me, which like mm -hmm. Against Me is one of my very favorite bands, but I'm not gonna like, maybe when I'm like, is the production where I want it to be? Maybe I'll go listen to Against Me. But like when you're, it's almost like if you're gonna write a poem, you don't need to read poetry. You need to take a walk, you know? And like- Yep, I totally agree with this. Yeah. And in, in, uh, in the song, The Mirage, which I think you wrote this song, right? I did. Yeah, you mentioned there's no destination, there's only the ride. And I wonder uh, how long 
how long have you been chasing for a destination or like looking forward to a destination before getting to this conclusion? And and because uh, to me, when I read it, well, when I heard it, then I, I read the lyrics after this, I was like, huh. And it made me think like it's a big, to me, it was a big thing. Like it was a big um, metaphor with, life in general and I, and I thought do you how long have you been chasing for this like uh, destination and do you feel happier now that you're like huh let's enjoy the ride and let's not think of like where we're going because because it, it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter uh well to, so I'll be really honest a lot of what I wrote on this record that song is very much included in this is like kind of like a note to myself like um in part because we spent we toured a lot until last year and what that meant was like repeating something that I wrote and felt and believed earlier in my life every night which is like it becomes like a prayer or like a mantra and I was feeling I didn't really identify with any of the stuff that I was singing like cheers like I am not hmm angry or drunk or resentful you know what I mean I yeah, was yeah. at the time <laughs> um but like, I don't want to sing that song because I just it takes me back to being like this kind of twisted up earlier version of myself so I know when I sat down to write the songs for this record it was like okay be careful what you sing because you're gonna have to sing it over and over again hopefully um and and that kind of guided me on like being productive really and like helpful or like anyway the ride was an actual dream that I had because I needed that message so badly like I have a hard time my my life is wonderful <laughs> like wonderful like if this is the end of my bloodline like I would say finances aside we have peaked. I'm very happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I feel you. You know what I mean? But then still, I would find myself like insecure or like struggling or like pushing for something or waiting for something or like holding out for something. And it was my subconscious brain being like, there's nothing. Like, there's yeah. nothing at I, the end of this. Like, I, it's great. You're great. I, I re yeah, yeah, I related a lot to this because uh i when i started lost love i i've always felt like i wanted to do something more and like when we were like for example our when we started lost love it was uh january 2013 and like six months later we were on the east coast tour of the u.s which was not something that many bands from montreal did because crossing the border is very difficult for like small bands and we had to do it illegally <laughs> and 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 it was like it was a, a real hustle and and i remember thinking like every every step at a time being like all right and, and next summer we're gonna do this and then we're gonna do that yeah. and this and, and now with the pandemic it's been like that's it that's the fun was there like it was i i should not have well i'm, I'm someone who likes to plan but like i should always be in the moment and thinking like so like next time i'm on a tour i'll be like this is fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I also like to plan. I think I'm learning that that might be like a coping thing for anxiety, <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh, it is hard to like remind yourself to like enjoy right now. Yep. Um, 
and even you know even knowing it like you forget it a lot and so it is it is a little bit like a like mm -hmm. a sticky note on the mirror you know what I mean to be like yeah. <laughs> just be just be here right now and enjoy yeah. it <laughs> so. speaking of, of the ride uh I read somewhere that title was supposed to be something else and then you changed it because uh, a couple people told you the title could be interpreted as a, a certain other way what was the original title um well can you say I can say it it's just that it'll be it's kind of embarrassing because like we really did believe in it at the time um and then now of course like with the distance and with the input from other people it's like no that's definitely not the right title <laughs> um but we were on this big like self-respect self-love like encouragement community kind of like empowerment tip we were listening to a lot of lizzo <laughs> oh, um, I... uh and we 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 were gonna call it queens but then it's like also in hindsight another reason i think it's good not to use that is like like there's an issue with like we have boss lady which like in the years since that came out like recognizing that like boss is like mm -hmm. maybe not a term that i super identify with or believe in you know what i mean it's like patriarchal and capitalist and it's yep. like you know royalty is also patriarchal and it is, yeah but, you know so i'm just really glad you know we almost called not sorry play like a girl like you know what I mean? like we've made a lot of almost terrible decisions uh -huh. <laughs> so queens, to be honest queens would have sounded like the best album title if it was your last album and you're like you right, know what right. fuck it we're queens let's yeah. that's our last album well uh, we also in part it was also driven by i like This is a thing that happens as at least a visual artist. And I'm sure as a musician for some people too, but I went deep into something that will never really, I can't think of how it will ever be shown, but like we, I crafted like costumes and props and worked very closely and very hard with this wonderful photographer named Jason Cook, who's an angel. And we shot the band as like the tarot queens And that was like gonna be the cover, which I was like, you know what I mean? It's still, they're still the fucking coolest things I've ever made with yeah. anybody. And like everybody in the band was like, yeah, this is fucking sick. But like, <laughs> what are we gonna do with this? And poor Jason did all this work. I was like, at least I'll get you paid. You know what I mean? Like someday we'll figure out what to do with this. But like the photos are just, they're so cool. But like also, I almost feel like the visual, drove the title sometimes i can be very pushy and i'm sure that was my call <laughs> but like now we're at the part where we're gonna talk about creativity what is creativity to you and how would you describe it to someone who's uh, never heard a word or the concept before <laughs> oh my gosh what a wild question um These are all great questions, by the way. I just want to thank you say. very much. I'm not surprised. I am impressed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I think it's like a little magical experience that uh, one can have alone or together. Um, 
that connects lived experience or intuition or subliminal information and turns it into something new, like mm. almost like the prism where light comes in and a yeah. rainbow comes out. It's like mm. that kind of magic refraction of like, we, we live in a time where like, there's a lot of provable, measurable scientific stuff, but like creativity is like not one of those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? and, and it's just kind of like, doesn't necessarily I guess it's original in the sense that like it's been interpreted through like this human filter or or maybe not I mean we're starting to learn more about animals and you know things that they do creatively like there's a lot of birds that do wild creative stuff where it's like mm-hmm. someone might be like that's not creativity because they don't know what they're doing and it's like well they're making something wild <laughs> like yeah I mean uh, I feel like uh to me, as I'm doing this podcast, I ask this question every podcast and I get a clearer picture of what creativity is. And I feel like the definition is, is very, very large at this point. But uh, there's something that I like about, I feel like somebody who's doing something creative means that they took something from here and something from there and they put it together. And it's like, wow, that's something new. And this could be also in in science like for or in any kind of fields because like in any fields you could like if you have a a mathematical problem and you're like huh how can i solve this and then there's somebody else from another field that comes in and like hey have you thought about this concept in this science i don't know what i'm talking about right now but (laughs) and it's like oh yeah this could solve my problem and like i think it's a lot of like um taking different inspirations from different um aspects and and yeah I, 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 de- I agree. And I think that it also in that exact example goes back to like, where do you find inspiration? You know, it's almost like, it's like good cooking comes from like combining whole things versus like making yeah. soup out of like, I took a can of soup. And I added, you know what I mean? It's like, no, you yeah, start, there's a, don't start from soup. Like, you start a, from your garden. Like, there's a famous cook here in Quebec. I don't know if I can call her famous. Well, she has books on sushi and stuff here in Quebec. She's Quebec famous. So I think I can say this. Whatever. She, uh, I've heard interviews of her and she's like, you know what? I, I have this gift since I was a kid that I know how things are going to taste before I put them in my mouth. Uh, like she because she does sushi and she makes the different very original stuff together that you would not find in a sushi normally and she says I don't need to taste it because I know what it's going to taste and she tastes it and she's like yeah that's that's what I had in my mind oh. and she, she mentioned that it's like a gift that she has and I'm like wow that's that I've never heard of that before and I'm like so impressed by this uh, wow. quote-unquote gift what if you if you know her name will you let me know after yeah oh yeah yeah i will i will find her name and i'll, I'll send it to you but it, i think it's all in french but uh <laughs> yeah uh do you think everyone is creative or is a creative potential i think everyone has creative potential i think it's not always gonna be in 
the ways I think it's unfortunate that even with something like creativity oftentimes we are forced into like a narrow you know what I mean where it's like oh it's got to be painting or like Mm -hmm. cooking and it's like no it could be anything like my dad is an engineer and he's a very creative engineer like Mm -hmm. it's just like you know it isn't something that you could share with other people or like that he maybe would get credit for being creative but like he's a creative problem solver um I think it yeah it's about like what you were saying like just connecting things that wouldn't already be connected or Mm -hmm. you know even thinking to try something that might not work because a lot of it doesn't work but just um being kind of experimental and I don't know it's it's science is definitely about creativity I mean a Mm -hmm. lot of it is like about proof but um I mean, there's like like quantum physics and stuff like that. Isn't that like all theoretical anyway? That's yeah. creativity. So yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, it came out of somebody's brain, and it was just like, what if? And then they, well, it's always like that, right? It's always like a theory starts with what if this yeah. does that, and then, and then science is the science is the thing that like tries to prove this. But at first, there's a creative spark. I think. Uh, yeah. Do you think this question I've, I haven't asked on this podcast yet? But do you think that uh, creativity goes along with um, being sad or being unhappy? Because there's a lot of artists, especially in in music, in in books. Um, well, I guess in any kind of art uh, that are that are better. Yeah, I'm gonna say this: they're better at like producing great art when they're unhappy. Do you have any thoughts on this? I do. Um, I think, I think it's a dangerous association that, and it's also a popular one. Um, and it, it really, I think it keeps people from getting help sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, th- I think really what the connection is, is that a person, sometimes if you, feel or sense or think very deeply that carries over to on the positive side creativity and on the negative side you know dark feelings and thoughts and like susceptibility to things um so it's like you're just kind of turned up on all dials you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um but also for me, because I am happy and there have been times in my life where I've not been happy and I was had a lot of output um, and then worrying maybe when I f- am happier that I won't be able to make something. It's like, that's just, I know personally, like the reason for the increased output is that I am struggling to, to process, you know what I mean? Whatever I'm suffering from and like, like creativity is where there is a vent cut open. So it's coming out of that. It's also ruining things in my life, but like, it's just being, you know what I mean? It's making its way out, which I think honestly was probably a lot of why I was like provided a guitar as a young person, because I was like (laughs) a weird, opaque, suffering teenager, which like just happens sometimes, but that did help me. Um, And on our record, the last song is all about that. It's like about hoping that people will, 
connect with their creativity in order to mm-hmm. bring themselves confidence and joy and mental well-being and to inspire yeah. others and like just is it, is it the song because because I told you like I listened to it this morning uh I f- is it the song that uh, who's, who's singing the song is it it's me it's you okay, <laughs> okay. is it because I remember some lyrics but uh, it's not the exact lyrics but it's something like uh whether you sing along or you sing your own song yeah. or something like that and I, w- I when I heard it I was like oh yeah that's totally connects to what I'm gonna talk about yeah like, yeah it was just so I was trying to put together a cover set a, like a not cover set but learn a cover song for like an acoustic set and I love Linda Perry um from Four Non Blondes do you know the song What's Up uh I feel like I do but is it, the, it. It's, it's, very, not, it's not the it's not a what's going on song it is it is okay yeah I know the song yeah. 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 <laughs> so I was like it's oh that's great song because it's so like accessible you know and so I was like trying to learn that song and I was like this is so amazing that this legendary musician made this song and as a performer that is probably her most known work but she's like a huge producer you know what I mean and it's not it's not a coincidence or like an accident that it like her biggest hit was so accessible um and I was just like man, what a, what a sick move, you know? Like, so then I just was trying to write a simple song that would like be about, you know, like lowering the bike seat a little bit. Like you want to get yeah. on right now? Like, you know, and then the song just kind of became about that uh, purpose and that kind of on-ramp and um, that vision of mine Um that I think a lot of creative people who already like yourself know how, how wonderful and liberating and exciting mm-hmm. and, you know, meaningful it can be. Like you want this for other people. That's why you work on Pooza. That's why you have a wonderful band. You know, it's yeah. like, just come Definitely. on. Exactly. That's, and that's the, I, and I talk about this with other guests at this podcast. because I'm just like, I want other people to be more creative. I want other people to express themselves and I want other people uh, to like realize how even whatever they're doing with their lives, if they just open the doors or the doors to like some sort of creativity, they're going to feel much happier totally. and much, much more content with their lives. But uh, yeah, um, in, in an interview, you mentioned that you are doing a daily journal. Uh, uh-huh. Are you still are you still doing a daily journal where you write uh, how you feel? Is is this what you write in your journal, like yeah. how your how your day went basically? It's sometimes so it depends. If I write in the morning, it's like it's more about feelings or like, and then it inevitably turns into like this is what I'm going to do today. <laughs> but if <laughs> I write it at night, it's it tends to be a little bit more like. Uh, tapped in less literal um sometimes it's about dreams sometimes it's just weird you know yeah I I I, when when I saw this I was like oh shit I need to start doing this you should do it everyone (laughs) should do it definitely I and and I feel like there's there should well and you tell me if that's how you do it but I feel like there should be no pressure to like if you skip a day it's not a bad thing right and it and if you if you just have one sentence to write and you write one sentence and if you have like a whole like three pages to write you're like all right I'm writing these three pages is that how you work with it um well so I started doing this I read the artist's way which is something I don't know if you are familiar with that book but it has 
probably a lot of things to interest you. Yeah, I, I, I actually, yeah, I saw it's on my reading list right now. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it's a workbook. So, I mean, you could just kind of read it and, mm -hmm. yeah, or you could do it. Um, <laughs> but one of the earliest things in that book is like daily journaling practice. And, and Julia Cameron recommends, I think it's three pages of stream of consciousness. So like, that's like a goal, but sometimes I get kind of, wound up and anxious about like a very busy day and it'll be like I don't have time for that so I'm just gonna do half a page or like a page and just or or nothing you know what I mean a lot of times do you, do you write on a computer it's, it's yeah. so no oh you write handwriting no. handwriting in a pencil I have a special pencil that I designate for this and I like paint my journals it started it is it started, important to be handwritten for you? I think it is. I tried to, my brother was having a hard time and he is a very, he is a 21st century digital boy. Um, he like, you know, I, I, he was just like, I'm so, he was having a really hard time and I made him a journal and I mailed it to him and I was like, you need to try writing in this. And he's like, I don't even think I have a pencil. I was like, do it. I don't think he even did it, but there's something, it's meditative. Yeah. Um, and it's also like ritualistic. Like I'm not a religious person, but I think I'm finding my own kind of spirituality, which a lot of creativity is a lot like that, you know, and this, just this practice of like, you know, pour my cup of coffee. I'm sitting at the table. There's no one here doing this kind of like, cause I don't meditate. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I don't, I'm too <laughs> <laughs> too high strung yep. which obviously means i need to do it but um this is like another <laughs> way to do that um so, yeah I yeah really, yeah all right so because okay so my problem is i my my stream of consciousness if i had to write it with a pen i would lose it and at some point i would be like oh i had this great idea but i cannot write it but i think i should i i'm going to start to do it with a pen and with a notebook because yeah. i feel like it's more uh like it's more like you say it has a more meditating aspect to it and not be like because usually when I write I write like for example I write for a song and I'm like all right this idea and then I write very fast I'm like yeah, and I write and then after this I'm like oh shit I created something cool but for this I think it, there should be no pressure of producing something so yeah I, I'm gonna also, start yeah giving yourself like we're so wrapped up in screens and they're not good for us. And you know what I mean? Just getting away from that. Also, there's no chance in a in a notebook of like an email coming in <laughs> and taking yeah. you home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or like um, autocorrect being like, did you mean this? And it's like, no, I didn't. And I don't care because no one is going to read this. Like I do not spell well in this journal, but it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. um, do you, do you draw? Do you draw sometimes? Occasionally, but it's very like, it's it's really just about like getting it out of my head and you know when i started doing this i was like not in a good place and 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 this was like an intentional move to get out of that and it worked um and and part of that place i was in was like i felt uh, disconnected artistically um and was just like i don't have any ideas and like it's like 
part of this practice and the the lack of pressure is that like any stupid idea that even comes up while I'm writing it's like oh what about this like you know just writing it down and the fact that like sometimes if it is a visual idea I'll put like a little arrow in the margin so like if I wanted to I could go flip back and be like oh I, I had some <laughs> I had some okay. ideas like okay, cool. you know you know awesome um so I feel like you're a naturally inspired person. Like you, you seem to be a very creative person, but would you have any tips to give to someone who's listening, listening to the podcast right now and thinking, Oh, how can I get more inspired? How can I get more creative? Do you have any tips? Well, we talked about the journal, but do you have anything else to, that could help these people? Yeah, totally. I, I some of what I get have been in, most inspired by in my life when I wasn't trying is spending time or some moments with a person who is. Um, I used to work at this antique mall. This is a weird example, but um, <laughs> I just liked old stuff. And I, and I was spending all my money at the thrift store and I got this job at an antique mall. And the people that would come in and like want me to unlock a case to get something out for them, were so excited about whatever it was that they found that they would like, they couldn't help it. They were telling me all about it and like, what a big deal it is. And I was just like, that is cool. You know what I mean? Like to me, that just looks like a stupid piece of glass, but you're telling me these used to be on the top of every telephone pole. Like, you know what I mean? Like how did any of them survive falling down? You know, it's like, so it just, just and and that was for free like those people were giving me that for free but like another example would be like if you have a friend that's like kind of a nature guide like and can take a hike with them or if you someone you know is an amazing cook and it's like can I come over and help you or watch you do this or like go grocery shopping with you or something or um going to a museum with somebody who is excited about what is inside the museum is like Sometimes, you know, it could be a little expensive, but like, it's probably going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love, I really love that tip. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing. I've, uh, recently, I've, I've asked a friend who's um, recording bands, like I sent him a message saying like, hey, uh, do you need any help in the studio? Because I kind of want to learn how you do this. And uh I want to, if you, if you want, I can like put the mics on and help you with anything. I, I'm like for free. Like, I just want to come and help and, and learn. And he was, was just like, yeah, honestly, I don't have any job right now, but like whenever I'm going to have like some bands to record, uh, I'll let you know. And I was like, Oh shit. Cool. So yeah, that's the kind of things that, uh, surround yourself with passionate people is definitely a good tip to find your own passion or, or, or find creativity in your own uh, passion I really I really like that tip it's contagious you know it's uh-huh. like for for I mean I grew up my dad is a very passionate person and my brother also but in completely different things and it you know I never knew really what they were talking about but it was like wow I know this is cool you know <laughs> like yeah. I've seen somebody know what they're talking about and it's cool but and I think that kind of just because I'm younger, you know what I mean? It was like, that was 
I don't know. Sometimes I, I feel like you are also a passionate person. And do you ever find yourself talking to people that are like disconnected and a little too composed and they're like, geez, yep. you're really excited. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. And, and you know what? I used to be someone that like uh, when something did not interest me, I used to think, oh, I don't want to hear about this. Like, for example, golfing or like fishing yeah. or, fl or flowers. I, I don't know. I've never been a huge fan of, of these three specific things. So I was I was never like, but now every time that I hear somebody talks about something that they're passionate about, I'm like, all right, yeah. I, want hear, I want to hear about this because uh, and and I'm very honest. I'm like, I don't like what I don't like fishing, but yeah. tell me all about fishing. <laughs> like, yeah. let's go. Well, that's... I, you gotta a just to be polite and make that person happy, but then also mm -hmm. like it's just. It, it might be really interesting and it might not. And you could be like, I don't ever need to listen to that again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, also, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's probably not enough people uh, who are passionate about something these days, I think. Yeah. I felt, yeah, I feel if there was a way to like kind of cultivate passion for more people, that would be, I'm into it. You know what I mean? Like, and I think par part of what allows you to fall in love with something is like letting go of any inhibitions or like self-judgment, at least mm -hmm. for that moment. Um, yeah, when I was teaching, I did notice I was like kind of sad about like, no one's as excited as I am in this class. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, you know, how could they be? They're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm new here or what, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. whereas like, I know what I'm going to say and I know what I'm expecting. And like, you know, maybe when they're at home mm -hmm. and they're working on their project, like I just would, I was like, I hope they fall in love with this. And I would say that a lot. I'd be like, I know you're just drawing an old shoe, but like find something to fall in love with about it. Like, I like it. Yeah. Find something to fall in love with. <laughs> That's great. Uh, hey, uh, thank you so much, Jenny, uh, for participating. So Do you have any, uh, future projects uh what should people check out i guess you should check out the, the new the quote-unquote new yeah. album but uh <laughs> new album, yeah um please check it out we really really believe in it um and yeah we're let's see what else i uh i started a cake business in the pandemic so i guess that's where a lot of my attention is going um and then what else do you i have a question about the cakes yeah. Do you, because like, do you bake the cake or do you just do yeah. the art that goes over the cake? Do the whole thing. Oh. Yeah. And is it like, is the, because sometimes I feel like it's very complex. Is it, is everything eatable? Can you eat the whole thing or do you have to take off some stuff before you eat it? Um, I'm trying to keep it all edible there. So I do make, sorry, I'm wearing like my pajama shorts. It's just, it's like, I'm not <laughs> all right. the zoom world, you only have to wear a shirt. Um, so exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I need a poo on zoom here. Um, uh, yeah, I try to make it all edible just in case. Cause I, uh, you, unless you're at the party to be like, don't eat that. You know what I mean? It's kind of better yep. to just like, um, give them things that yep. are all edible but I did for years that before now I would make like non-edible cake toppers for like wedding cakes for people um 
so but now I'm just kind of like and that's cool because you can keep it forever but like this with with like I said if I'm going to give somebody food like I really do try to make sure it's all food or if anything is not um say so like fondant do you know what that is yeah yeah so gross yeah technically edible but disgusting so there if there's anything that's fondant I'll just like let people know like that you could eat it but I wouldn't (laughs) so yeah all right and and if people want to order a cake I guess they have to be in in the Orange County in Orange County or yeah LA I get a lot of people from like LA I had one friend came from like four hours away um to get a cake which like you could do that I also sometimes bake in Brooklyn um and if I'm ever going to be there I'll make like a big announcement but I have like a it's all on Instagram so I have like a an Instagram for that it's called Jenny Bakes Things um yeah awesome all right well thank you so much and thank uh, you so much it was great to see you I hope you're doing great this podcast was very fun (laughs) yeah all right Well, thank you and uh, see you soon.